So as I was getting ready to share this message with you, uh, I was doing something that I love to do. Um, I am a uh, YouTube fanatic. Um, one of my favorite things about living in the modern world is being able to pick up my phone and immediately have access to all kinds of incredible stuff. Um, uh, interviews, uh, concerts, I love music and I love history. So YouTube is just an unbelievable tool for that. And I was scrolling through my feed and I came across this interview between Johnny Carson and Marlon Brando. Now, I don't know if you guys know who Johnny Carson is in New Zealand, but he's like a famous talk show dude uh, who was big in the 60s, 70s, 80s, and I think he made it into the 90s. But anyway, uh, him and Marlon Brando, the famous screen actor. And I'm watching this interview, and it was from a long time. It was so long ago that the, the interview was shot in black and white, uh, and uh, Johnny Carson looked young and Marlon Brando was thin. So that gives you a sense of how long ago this thing was. So I'm watching this interview between the two, and at first I was thinking it was just gonna be kind of a banter back and forth, but it became clear right away that this was actually taking place during a uh, profound time in the history of my country, the United States. Um, it was shortly after uh, Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. had been murdered. And there was this soberness to both of the men. Um, they were both, you could tell that the, the, this event was heavy on their shoulders. And I, as I watched this, one thing became really clear to me that, that deep down inside, both of these men were wondering, what in the world can we do? How do we change this? Something needs to change. That was the, that, if I was to say, the, some, what was the thesis statement? It was something needs to change. We gotta do something. And you could tell Martin, Marlon Brando had been thinking about it. He said to Johnny Carson, yeah, I've been calling up my, some of my Hollywood friends and he gave some names. He said, I'm asking each of them to give 1% of their, their earnings this year to the foundation that uh, Martin Luther King Jr. had founded to help bring racial equality to our country. And, which obviously for these guys, that's a lot of money. And, and he says, and Brando goes on to say, I'm actually gonna give 10% of my income this year to do that. And then at the end of the interview, uh, Johnny Carson reaches into his pocket and he pulls out a check. And he says, here's 1% of my salary this year. And he hands it to him. And as I watched that, um, what struck me was just how much their desperation is our desperation today. How the tone of that late night talk show is what the tone of a lot of voices are today. And they're united by this common sense that we need to do something to change the world. There's something wrong. I don't know how things are striking you, but. I know both our countries have wrestled with the implications of COVID-19, the coronavirus, and, and the effect that's having on us. For us, we've also had the added effect of major strife, social strife around the shootings of, of, of men in our country, black men in our country. And so there's a been a bit, huge question about the issue, issues of racism. And we see people marching in streets and holding up signs and everybody wants something to change in our world. But here's the problem. Here's the problem. And I can, I can say this problem is universal. That the way that our world goes about seeking change, I can promise you something, it's not gonna work. 
It's not a matter of intentions, like that, that, that the knowledge that something needs to change. You can go back to that interview from the 19, early 1960s and see people knew something needed to change. The problem is the way that we go about seeking change and in the way that the world goes about seeking change. You see, the, the, the world is not going to be able to solve its own problems because the world goes about it from the wrong starting point. It, it's, it's given different names by different people. Some people call it humanism. It's this idea that man is the measure of all things, that, that humanity is the secret to its own success and its own advancement. And it's this, this deep belief and confidence in the nature of humanity to change the system is, is the basic heartbeat of it all. And here's the problem. It says you can get changed from the outside in. In other words, if we can just change the system and change what's wrong out there, then, then people are basically good and they're gonna live the right kind of lives. This morning, I wanna talk with you about a different approach to change. It's, the, it's the, chain, the approach that Jesus brought when he talked about the kingdom of God. Because what Jesus said is that change, can, change from the outside in is never gonna work. You can fix everything you want about the circumstances of your life, but if we don't experience an inner heart transformation, nothing's gonna be different. Jesus talked about change from the inside out. And he said, that, he said that this was what it meant to live life in the kingdom of God. This is the offer that Jesus made when he said, come, follow me. This is the offer that Jesus made when he said, seek first the kingdom of God. Because it's in that place that you're going to find what you're looking for. And Jesus came so that that change would be possible. He said what had to happen was a conversion of our hearts by his amazing grace through faith in what he has done for us. In other words, if you boil it down to it, change was never gonna come from our own hands. Change could only come if God brought it to us. That's the fundamental message that Jesus brought. And it's totally different than the way the world seeks change. So right now, I wanna just, I wanna open up God's word with you and take a look at one of the parables of Jesus Parables are just stories that Jesus told. They're, they're analogies that he gave in story form to illustrate a spiritual truth. And this, in this story, I want to give you the shortest parable that I'm aware of that Jesus ever gave. It's a one-sentence parable. It's in Matthew chapter 13 and verse 33. This is what Jesus tells us. This is what we read. Matthew 13, 33. He told them another parable. The kingdom of heaven is like leaven that a woman took and hid in three measures of flour till it was all leavened. The kingdom of heaven is like leaven that a woman took and hid in three measures of flour till it was all leavened. Let's pray for just a second. Lord, we love you and we thank you for your word. We love the Bible. God, we thank you that you've given us a place that we can turn for truth. Lord, even though we live in an era where there are many messages, mixed messages, falsehoods that seem to be everywhere when you, we look out at the world around us. Lord, we want to thank you for the truth that we find in your word and that it's relevant to our lives. So God, speak to us this day. Speak to our hearts. Use this message, Lord, to connect us more, more faithfully to your truth so that we might live more fruitfully for your kingdom. In Jesus' name, amen. So I want to give you one kind of, one central idea to think about as we go through this message today. Here it is. Change below the surface can change the world. Change below the surface can change the world. There are a couple things in this story that I want to zero in on. Uh, the first one is this, that change is sometimes hard to see. 
change is sometimes hard to see. Uh, Jesus talks about this, this leaven. I, I did a little research because I gotta be honest with you, I've never baked a loaf of bread in my life, but I wanted to learn a little bit more about the process. And so I went and I got a definition for leaven. And I think it's actually really fascinating. Um, listen, it's an element, influence, or agent that works subtly to lighten, enliven, or modify a whole. Let me say that one more time. It's an element, influence, or agent that works subtly to lighten, enliven, or modify a whole. Um, the idea of, of leaven is that something is happening that you really can't see. To the first century world, it would have almost been like magic. You just kind of take a little bit of this stuff, you put it in the flour, uh, in the dough, and the dough rises. But there's actually this incredible chemical process that's taking place below the surface. And in some ways, even knowing this makes it even more magical. I'm not gonna try to get into all of it, but, but it's, it's amazing when you learn a little bit. So flour has inside of it these two different proteins, which I won't even try to pronounce. And when you take, take water and you put it in the flour, you add it to the flour and you mix that water in, those pro two proteins uh, join together to form a new protein. It's just kind of the boogeyman of the modern world, gluten, right? And gluten, when, it, when gluten is formed, it, it forms these molecule chains that causes that flour, which is now dough, to become very stretchy. And you can like stretch it. As kids, you know, playing with Play-Doh, that kind of stuff, it becomes very stretchy, it becomes very sticky. And, and that's a key, a key part of the process of leavening the leavening bread, right? Then, but then what you do is you take the leaven, and when you put the leaven in, there's a chemical reaction, and the leaven actually releases a gas. And there's something about the nature of that stretchy dough because of the gluten and the gas that they work together. And it's as if there are a thousand tiny balloons that blow up inside that lump of dough and it suddenly rises and becomes bread. And at the right time you put that in the oven, you bake it and all those little tiny bubbles now make a beautiful loaf of bread. And like I said, that, that would have seemed almost magical to the first century. It seems magical to me, even, even when I can explain it to you chemically. And in many ways, that's what Jesus is saying is, is how grace works in the world. Maybe you've experienced it. Maybe you've experienced a moment of growth and change where you were, you were living one way and then God worked in your heart. And you know that maybe, maybe you heard a message or maybe you read, a, read something in the Bible or maybe you heard a testimony and what happened was somehow that went into your life and suddenly you didn't want the same things you used to want. You didn't want to do that, that old negative thing you used to want to do. Now you want something new. Isn't that, when you think about it in so many ways, that's like, that's, it's, it's miraculous. It happens below the surface. And what Jesus is telling us is that's how grace works. Grace goes into our lives and supernaturally we are changed. And that leads us to the second part of what I want to focus in on Jesus' story. And it's this basic idea that gospel transformation is what changes the world. So change has to start inside, right? And, and something has to go in us. There has to be a transformation of us. And that transformation then is, is something that is the key. And in fact, it's the only way that the world itself can really be changed. I, I, I look at the, the different ways that we're thinking about change. And if we're not careful, we ourselves, we as Christians, we can get caught up in the 
outside-in vision of change. In other words, change the system and then people will be happy. We as Christians can never abandon the call to seek change from the inside out. And sometimes that seems difficult. It's like, can we really change things by one-on-one connections with other people? But that's exactly what Jesus wants us to know is that we can. If you look at the story again, it says the woman took leaven and hid it in three measures of flour. In other words, just a little bit of leaven went into three measures of flour. Now, you wanna know, you wanna know how much flour that is? That's, that's 50 pounds of flour. So this little bit of leaven went a whole long way. It could change a lot. And what we need to understand and remember, church, is that the gospel is the only thing that can bring someone from being spiritually dead to being someone who's alive in Christ. The gospel is the only thing that can do that. You know, the, the, the Bible talks about the world's way of living. And the, the truth is, is that, that scripture tells us there's only two ways to live. We are either living in loyalty to the God who made us and letting him be the ruler of our life, or we're seeking to rule our own lives. We're seeking to do things our way. In fact, it's the, very, it's the exact same choice that Adam and Eve had to make when they stood in front of that tree in the garden. And the truth is that just like Adam and Eve, every single human person has made a decision to live life their way. Look at the things that the Bible talks about. Jealousy, malice, anger, wrath, covetousness, lust. Where do these things always lead? They always lead to breakdown. They lead to what the Bible calls death. And scripture tells us really clearly that the reason that we fall prey to these things and the reason that these things ultimately drive us is because there's something broken inside of us that it has to be repaired. And only God's grace can repair it. Only God's goodness can repair it. Only an awareness of what God has done for us can repair that broken part of us that seeks to live life our own way. And that's exactly why Jesus came into the world. Jesus came into the world to to give a message, but more importantly than even the message that he gave, Jesus came in the world to live a life and die a death that could allow us to once again turn from a life that is oriented around self to a life that is oriented around God, who is the source of life. You see, you you can't unplug from the source of life and expect to have life. Jesus came and through his sacrificial death on the cross, died the death that we deserved. He confessed our sins to the Father on our behalf in a way that we never could have. And he made it possible for our relationship with the Father to be bridged again, so that once again we could be plugged into the one who is the author of life. And it's a radical thing that happens. What actually happens is a change of identity. Our desires change. We don't want the same things we used to want. Our, 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 our appetites change, our, our, our passions change. And all of this happens in a way that is like leaven going down into the dough and causing it to rise. 
It's so radical that Jesus met with a religious leader. And this religious leader, he was a guy who knew that things needed to change. You read about it in John chapter six. This man's name was Nicodemus. And he was a guy who knew that things needed to change and he believed he knew how to change. He believed that the secret to change was religion. He said, if, if only enough people could learn the law, then they would be able to live the right way. And then the world would be a better place. And Jesus had to look at this religious leader and he said, Nicodemus, religion won't change anybody. All it will do is let them know how condemned they are. Because the moment they try to fulfill the law, they're going to discover something, that they break the law all the time. (laughs) Right? That's what Paul talks about in Romans 7. He looks at Nicodemus. He says, no, Nicodemus, here's what needs to happen. You must be born again. Now, that's... (laughs) we get so used to certain things that that's just become a religious phrase that people use. Some people slap it on the back of their car like a bumper sticker. But for just a second, if you've been present and witnessed the birth of a baby, (laughs) let me just say, that's something you don't want to press rewind on, right? I mean, a baby that's been born goes through a traumatic experience. The mother goes through a traumatic experience. It's something that is totally radical. As this little one comes out, I have four sons, so I've watched, I've watched as all four emerged and, and then cry this, this cry, and it's a beautiful thing. But you can't even begin to imagine how it happens. It has to be a miracle. It has to be something supernatural. And that's exactly what Jesus tells us has to happen in us. We must be radically changed. And the only way that that happens is when the gospel, the good news of Jesus, is something that we embrace by faith and it gets worked into our hearts by God's grace and it produces something. It produces a love for God. It produces a loyalty to God. It produces a new life, a new identity that's as radical as the first time that we were born. So that now we want to live for things like love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. You know, you in New Zealand, me in America, the church and wherever you want to go, we have only one thing to offer the world that's of any worth. We can do our best and we should We should work for justice, right? We should work for for a good world, right? that's, That's important. But we should never mistake that fruit of salvation with what will actually bring salvation to people. Everyone we meet needs to meet Jesus through the gospel so that their very identity is shifted and changed. That's what will bring real change to this world. So I want to ask you a couple questions. Uh, how do we take Jesus' story and apply it to make it my story? Two questions. First question, ask yourself this. Am I engaging God's life-changing word? In fact, why don't you just right now over a video, wherever you are watching this, say that with me, would you? Am I engaging God's life-changing word? Lately, I've been thinking a lot about this. Um, if if you've been a Christian any amount of time or if you've heard Christians talk, you know that the Bible, that reading the Bible is something that Christians are supposed to do. And, and I, as a pastor, I talk to people about reading the Bible all the time. And I, sometimes I'll, I'll talk with people and they'll let me know, hey, I'm on a, on a one-year reading plan. I'm going to read the whole Bible in a year. I'm like, that's awesome. That's really great. And I think it is really great. 
But I actually, I, I have a warning to give us. You see, there's a big difference between accumulation and assimilation. Living in the world that we live in with the communication systems we have, I'm betting that most of us carry a copy of the Bible around on our phone. We probably have multiple copies of scriptures in our home. Um, we are inundated with biblical messages all the time. In other words, we can accumulate tons of information. But listen, there's a huge difference between accumulating a lot of scripture knowledge and actually assimilating it into your life. That, that leaven, it doesn't do any good if it sits beside the lump of dough in an envelope. The leaven needs to be, the envelope needs to be opened up, it needs to be poured into the dough, and it needs to be worked into that dough. And scripture needs to be worked into our lives. In fact, I, I, I'll venture to say something. I would venture to say, I, I'd, I'd rather, and I'm betting that your pastors would rather hear that you spent one month reading one chapter of scripture that had actually produced a change in your life, a change in your perspective, a change in your lifestyle. They'd rather hear that you had done that than that you read the entire Bible in a month. I can promise you, because that's the difference between accumulation and assimilation. How do we assimilate the word? I believe we assimilate the word in the way that we read it. It starts with how do we approach the word of God in our everyday life? How do we let it go down into us and bring transformation? It starts with understanding that God wants to speak to you when you sit down and meet with him. He wants to speak to you in the words that are coming up off the page. But listen, God also wants to speak to your heart. He wants to, to minister to your heart. He wants you to hear from him. So when you come to him, ask him, Lord, what do you want me to see in this passage right now? How do you want this to change me? How do you want me to, what do you want me to see about you? That, that's actually one of the best questions you can ever ask. God, what do you want me to see about you today as I read your word? Another one is, God, how do you want me to see myself? How do you see me based on what I read in this passage today? Man, asking those two questions and giving God a chance to speak to you, that's what, how the word of God gets assimilated into your heart. It also gets assimilated when we, when we activate it, when we actualize it in our lives. That means we act on it. We're willing to obey. Uh, Jesus told a parable and it, between the difference between the wise and the foolish builders. And he said the, the wise builder is the one who builds his house on a, on a rock. He says it's the same with anyone who hears my word and then does them. Nothing causes the word of God to come alive in your life like doing it, like living it. The reason I talk about assimilating the word into our lives is because I believe that the gospel's the way that, that, that initial life change takes place, but we need constant conversion of our hearts. We need constant re revitalization of our hearts. We need the word of God to constant, constantly leaven the loaf of our hearts, to put it in Jesus' terms, right? And that, that will bring transformation and change to us. Second question that I want you to ask for your life is this. Is my life feeding the world? Is my life feeding the world? It's really fascinating. I told you that that little bit of leaven that the woman takes, she mixes it into these three measures of flour, which is... Uh, 50 pounds of flour. You know what that 50 pounds of flour can do? If you turn that into dough and you bake it, it feeds over 100 people. Now think about that for a second. Isn't that amazing? Listen, listen. God wants to use you. 
God's transformation of your life is not just for you. God's transformation of your heart and your soul is so that you can go out and feed the world. Our world is desperate. Our world is hungry. Our world is hungry for change. Our world is hungry for meaning. Our world is hungry for purpose. Don't you see it? People have hungry hearts. They want more. And listen, by God's grace, we have the very message that can bring it to them. So that's my challenge to you today. Let let the good news of God's word, let the truth of God's word, let it go down into your heart and let it produce the kind of change that will give your life meaning, but don't stop there. Listen, the street, I wish I could be there with you today and talk with you, but here I am in America and I'm sending you this message. Be the change that you want to see take place in the world by experiencing the change that only Jesus can bring. God bless you. We'll see you later.